This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Lines. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, episode 42. Uh, excited yep. for this one? Yeah. Swan's heavy loss last night. Yeah. We're recording on Saturday, the 21st of April and uh, the Swans went down to Adelaide last night. So, you know, sad day for all of the country, really. <laughs> <laughs> National morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So last week, uh, the last episode that we put out was um, my interview with Matt Leibowitz, from, who was the CEO of Stake. Uh, unfortunately, you couldn't make it, Ren. It was a face-to-face up in Sydney. You were down in Melbourne. Logistics just didn't make it happen. Um, but something that we're pretty excited to uh, give to our listeners is um, an opportunity to sign up through them and then get a $25 referral bonus. We didn't mention this in last week's episode with Stake. It's something we've been working on with them uh, since, but we're happy to announce that we've teamed up with them um, and they're giving you the opportunity to uh, sign up a funded account. So you need to sign up through them and then uh, put some money in the account to start trading and they will give you a $25 bonus uh, into your account to help get you on their way. So pretty decent, Ren. What what do you reckon? Yeah, very decent. It's probably worth saying though um, that we are big fans of the product. Um, It's, you know, we are deciding to partner with them because we're both going to use the product. Um, yep. For people who haven't listened to the interview, uh, they offer uh, Australians who want to invest in the US market brokerage-free transactions. So, you know, the $20 you pay to ComBank or the $8 you pay to IG, you get to keep that. Um, the stake don't charge you anything. Uh, so, it's it's a great it's a great platform for investors and we're pretty stoked to be able to offer, on top of that free brokerage, $25 bucks towards your first investment. Yeah, 
it's an absolute no-brainer. The sign-up process is incredibly easy, uh, and the user interface of the of the whole website is uh, really enjoyable. And uh, it's it's a great opportunity to get involved in the U.S. stock market, if one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest, stock markets in the world, uh, with some of the biggest um, companies in the world. So now's your opportunity to start investing in 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 U.S. stocks. The most important part we need to tell them how to get get there. Yes, there we go to equitymates.com forward slash stake s-t-a-k-e not the meat um and then there's a link on there that will take you through to their site and you can just follow the sign up instructions so that's equitymates.com forward slash stake for brokerage free trading in the u.s and 25 dollar top up which i worked out to be at the moment about 1.6 percent of an amazon share yeah um now one last question uh is there a minimum that they have to top up their account before they get the 25 dollars? there is no minimum from my understanding you just have to fund the account but i know that there's a minimum transaction that you can do of $50. So you can't buy anything for less than $50. That's something else worth mentioning that one of the really good features of uh, stake is that you don't have to buy entire shares. If you want to buy Amazon, but you don't want to spend $1,500 doing so, you can buy, buy a partial share. So you could spend $100 on an Amazon share if you would like and own part of an Amazon share and still get access. So that $25 really does go a long way to helping you buy partial shares. So fund it, get your 25 bucks and then you're on your way. So for this episode... We thought we would do something a little bit different just because a lot's been going on. We've been churning out the episodes. There's a lot of loose ends, um, a lot of things that we've spoken about that you know have developed further since then. So we thought it was time for a catch up. Yeah, Ren, let's catch up. I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, this is like um, Hamish and Andy's jazz chat, if <laughs> yeah. anyone remembers that. <laughs> Except we don't have any nice jazz in the background. No, we could no, figure we, something out. We can't afford that. If- All right, well, let's catch up. What do you got? So the first one... Um, I was thinking about the bull and bear episode we did and um, we were talking about how the market had fallen uh, and we were that we were in a correction uh, and that we might be heading towards a bear market. Mm. But I thought it would be worth getting some perspective because when the markets closed at the, in the end of December last year mm. uh, to where they closed on Friday the 20th, so we're recording on the Saturday. Is this us, um, the Australian markets or the US? So I'll start with the US, um, okay. but they're almost exactly flat. So the S&P oh, wow. 500 closed on the 29th of December, which was, from what I could tell from Google, the last trading day in America, uh, 2,673 points. It closed on Friday, 2,670 points. Wow. The Dow, the Dow Jones, 24,700, uh, and the Dow on Friday, 24,400. So for all of the you know the talk about uh, the crazy start to the year, we're basically flat. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise, uh, but sometimes we just need to relax, calm down, and get out of the day day-to-day hustle. The Australian market has trended down a little bit. So mm. flatten the US a little bit down in Australia. So we're down even after it. So we had our correction, came back up a bit, but then we've sort of slumped a bit further. Or you're saying we're down based on the uh, close in December. Close in December, yeah. Right. And it's interesting, does that still mean that we're at record highs though? No, because the record highs were in like early Feb, late Jan. Okay. And yeah. before the correction. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. we did recover after the correction. Yeah, but then it fell again so lost yeah, again yeah interesting now it's, yeah so what does that mean for you i reckon what, what has it changed your view on anything uh not really at this stage i think just you know still try and find companies that i think are cheap or that i think will grow a lot into the future uh mm. and when i don't have that putting some cash away and putting some money in the index you know just mm. business mm. as usual yeah I've, I've been thinking about the index thing lately because you know as i've said a, a number of times i've got some cash sitting in the side in the sidelines waiting
waiting for something to happen. And I keep thinking to myself, man, it's probably a good idea just to have it sitting in an index for the moment, um, at least doing something. But then in conversation with Matt, um, in the interview we had with um, Stake last week, and I know you haven't had the opportunity to listen to it, but he was saying that, you know, all this volatility that's come back since February is really meaning that the whole index thing that everyone's been so infatuated with over the last sort of eight years, you know, it's probably not a strategy that is going to be as successful as it was. um, And that, you know, he reckons this year is going to be all about the traditional stock picking um, just by nature of the volatility that we're seeing at the moment. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that? Oh, look, uh, he, he's a very smart guy. I don't want to argue with him. I, I think that, the, you know, the intention behind index funds and ETFs to begin with was you put it in the market long term and you get the market average rate of return over the long term. Mm. I'm sure he's right that when markets are choppy and volatility is back, there's ETFs might not be the best place to put your money because markets are choppy. But, mm. you know, I, I think, as we always say, over the long term, the market averages, you know, seven, eight, nine percent compounding per year um and that i don't think any well i don't think anyone thinks that's going to change over the long term yeah uh, yeah you know, so as, as long as you're willing to set it and forget it I, I think they're still as you know as logical as they've ever been anyway well, speaking of long term i've got a little bit of an update um this year marks the 20th anniversary for amazon on the stock market being a public company so they floated back in well, what does that mean 1998 there you go that's that math that we come and and Bezos's letters, um, you know, we've we've got the Warren Buffett shareholder letter that's sort of now an in institution in its own, and it seems that Bezos is now sort of starting to attract just as much attention. Obviously, he doesn't fill stadiums uh, for his annual general meetings, but his letters certainly do attract a lot of attention. And last week, he uh, released his shareholder letter updating everyone on the progress of Amazon um, over the last sort of 12 months, and he did a bit of a retrospective and looked at the last 20 years and and uh, interestingly every year he re- releases his shareholder letters he includes an attachment to the very first shareholder letter he wrote back in 1998 which he entitled day one and he still says that each shareholder letter he releases he still thinks of it as day one because his values and sort of uh, way that he sees the company being run and his ambitions are still the same as they were 20 years ago when they first floated, which is just a um, solid sort of uh, pursuit of um, customer service excellence, I guess. But some interesting points from the letter. So I just thought I'd bring out a few. Um, he, he went over and highlighted some of the major achievements that Amazon have gone through over the last 12 months. And, you know, this is a... Um, Speaking of long term, I think it's a still a really good long term investment, or even if they are sort of 1500 bucks at the moment. So Amazon Prime, which is their subscription service, has now uh, ticked over 100 million members globally. And they pay $99 a year. So do the maths on that in terms of what revenue they're getting. But I think that's a pretty phenomenal number. Um, And in 2017, for the first time in company history, more than half of the units sold on Amazon Marketplace were from third-party sellers, um, which I think is quite interesting. Um, And over 300,000 small businesses in the US started selling on the platform in 2017 alone. So they're creating this huge opportunity for businesses to get on and access markets that they probably would have otherwise struggled to do. Amazon Prime Video has acquired some pretty amazing 
rights this year. They've got The Lord of the Rings um, and some TV series from Spielberg coming through. But then interestingly, Amazon.in, Amazon.India is the fastest growing marketplace in India. And I think we'll touch on India a bit later on this episode. And Amazon.India is the most visited site on both desktop and mobile in India. And it's the their mobile app was the most downloaded in India ever. So they're smashing it over in India. And Jeff Bezos can't do a handstand. <laughs> what? <laughs> there you go. Well, neither can I. So maybe I'm the next Bezos. So some pretty amazing figures there. And I think it's just high highlighted that you know they're ticking away uh, they've got so many things they've got amazon web services um, they hire over 560,000 people around the world now you know they're a phenomenal company um, and i think i still have a really strong buy on them i think what are your thoughts ren to to be honest i'm not as bullish um on amazon as you are um there's a lot of stuff coming out about their conditions in their factories you know pe- people die because of the and that's not an exaggeration there have been what? deaths yeah because of the conditions that they put on their workers um heaps of dehydration stories have come out where like workers Wait, in the states or yeah yeah in the states in europe what? everywhere yeah yeah um pe- people like faint from dehydration and no the workers are, the kpis are too strict that they don't even stop to look after the workers that have fainted like it sounds what? like a messed up environment yeah so the story is that and obviously this is all like third hand from you know articles that i've read and stuff um but amazon are looking to replace a lot of their workers with robots pretty quick smart but it's an interesting one because obviously uh, part of the reason they can keep prices low is they keep their costs down and part of that mm. is operating at massive scale and massive mm. massive efficiency. But mm. it, it seems like that uh, that is taking a human toll, I guess. Um, so Gee, that, that, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, so that I'm not very bullish on. Uh, the second thing, it's interesting you talked about India because uh, Amazon, although Bezos might paint a rosy picture in his shareholder letter, Amazon's actually in probably one of their toughest fights, um, at least one of their toughest recent fights, uh, with Flipkart in India. And yeah. uh, Flipkart is the Indian incumbent over there. And something recently that has put a new dynamic into this fight is that Walmart have just offered $12 billion to buy 51% of Flipkart. Mm. So Walmart are taking their battle with Amazon Global and that would be a fascinating uh, shift in dynamic if it becomes Amazon v. Walmart in India. But Absolutely. Walmart has the local incumbent's knowledge on their side. Uh, so that, that's something that I, I'm really interested in. And I guess because of our partnership with Stake uh, and, you know, you can if you sign up uh, through our website, you can get a free 25 bucks. So my question for you is if, if you had the 25 dollars now uh mm. through stake who would you buy walmart or amazon i would be going amazon i i thought you would as much i'm gonna take the contrarian view i reckon amazon is priced to do so well and i don't doubt that they will do so well but walmart you know walmart pulls in 500 billion dollars in revenue a year mm. that's mm. half at half a trillion dollars in revenue mm. uh they're obviously looking to expand globally they bought asda in the uk a few years ago they're now going to india if with this flip cart move but one dynamic that i reckon will be really interesting is you know how like toys r us just declared bankruptcy in america and mm-hmm. uh other retailers like macy's and stuff are really struggling Mm. i'm really interested to see where those holes in the market get filled because walmart like a lot of people the obvious choice is amazon like people will 
buy their toys online rather than at Toys R Us. But I think Walmart can become a massive player in a lot of those spaces. Like Amazon could become the fi- sorry, Walmart could become the physical toy retailer that Toys R Us used to like service. Yeah, I guess one of their major advantages is that they've got the bricks and mortar footprint. Um, and something that Amazon doesn't have. So yeah, I don't know. Like I think uh, you're right. Um, there's massive potential, and they are a massive company. But from what I've been reading, the the, the deal with Flipkart isn't clear cut. Like eBay has a five percent stake in Flipkart, and and they have a, a they did have a an agreement, a commercial agreement. So uh, Walmart are going to have to work through that. And there's a few other stakeholders in Flipkart that you know are going to provide sort of some legal hurdles for Walmart to come in. So it's not yes they've set, sort of put the deal on the table, but whether or not it actually goes through is another question because um, it sort of seems like there's a, a few hurdles in the way. The um the biggest one is Amazon has also announced that they want to, or there's rumors that Amazon wants to buy Flipkart as well. Mm. So Maybe Amazon will just buy Walmart. I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. If that was the case, then you'd definitely want to own well, either shares, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, that's an interesting one. Well, we might... um. We might do a catch-up part two for our next episode where we will talk about what you want to talk about. I've got some uh, loose ends I want to tie up and we might talk about uh, some books and stuff that we've read recently if we have time. Yeah, nice. Let's do it. If we don't spend 12 minutes talking about Amazon again. (laughs) (laughs) So good. All right, right, Ren. um, Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah, and if you haven't already, while you're listening to our episode, make sure you sign up to Stake, equitymates.com slash Stake. Equitymates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 